Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to be a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, and we have a special guest today on the podcast, Porig Berry, and he is the former CEO of the commercial operations in Ireland of the famous company, Free Shoppers Atlantic Philanthropies that was started by businessman and philanthropist Chuck Feeney. The name's familiar. Working with Chuck, Porig said he became and came to understand that it is all about people and that empathy, the topic of our podcast today, is not some soft, woolly concept. In Porig's words, it is a smart way of operating to build personal, professional, and organizational effectiveness. Porg, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dale. Very happy to be here with you. Thank you. So let's dive deep into this idea of empathy for this episode of The Complete Leader. And take us back. Tell us the story of uh, especially your work with Mr. Feeney and how you really came to grasp this idea of empathy. Okay. I remember traveling the globe with, um, with Chuck, Chuck Feeney. Um, very hard-headed businessman. I mean, he successfully built duty-free shoppers, and so he wasn't some, as you said earlier, woolly type of person. Very hard, hard-nosed, hard-headed businessman. But I observed something as I travelled the planet with him, and what I observed was everywhere he went, he was known by all the staff, and clearly liked. He had relationships with people at all levels in the organisation. Interestingly, as I saw in the organisation, I saw problems that had to be addressed. He never tried to rush in and fix them or fix people or sort them out. He was all about supporting the person, allowing the person to help themselves and grow themselves. Um, I suppose if I had to say his greatest strength was his capacity to build a connection with people. So when I think about empathy, I don't think about many of the definitions that we see out there for empathy. I think about the capacity to, to build a genuine relationship with another human being. And I think that that's what he excelled at. I mean, I remember my career with him making many, many mistakes uh, for which I was never judged. I got the feedback, but I got the support. There was never any judgment. There was never any criticism, even though it was well-deserved. So let's dive into that. That's really interesting. You received feedback, but it wasn't judgment. How did you... How did you differentiate the two? Yeah, it's interesting. It wasn't so much what he did as how he did it. And let me explain. Um, Ron uh, Price talks all about being authentic and that the key to leadership is authenticity. Chuck was authentic. He was a very humble man, a very honest man, a man full of integrity. So when he approached you, you knew he wasn't approaching you from any ego or from any desire to, to in any way, uh, create something for himself. There was nothing in it for him. You knew that, in fact, his sole agenda, his sole purpose was to help you. So when he gave you the feedback, um, it was always in the form of a question. It was never in the form of a statement. It was always in the form of a question. And it was always to try and help you understand better. So the question would be, OK, what could we have done? And it was always we. What could we have done? I can remember many, many times him um, having conversations with me 
And at the end of the conversation, I realised he, he had never judged me, never criticised me. But I internally was saying to myself, you know, I really should have done this. I really should have done that. I really should have. And I knew that he was 100% behind me because of the approach that he took. So I think this authentic, authenticity, this capacity to be um, um, real in the situation and to be yourself in the situation, that the other person clearly recognises that you have no agenda, that everything you're doing is actually for them. That, to me, was the key with him. Do you have a specific story where you just you had the aha moment of his approach and his authenticity, especially around this idea of receiving feedback? Yes, I do, actually. Um, I can remember quite, quite clearly I made a mistake. We were building a hotel and um, I made a mistake in the drawings. It's the simplest way of putting it. I confused square feet with square meters. It's a long story, it doesn't matter. Suffice it to say I made the mistake and we had to take out pillars and put a bridge in the attic of this building, this hotel, to support um, a conference space. And I remember uh, in the car park with him, telling him, and it was a hard conversation. I had to say, by the way, <clears throat> you need to understand, I've made a little mistake here. Actually, I've made a big mistake and da-da-da-da. And I remember him asking me, okay, what did you do? How did you fix it? What happened? And he said, what have you learned? And I told him what I'd learned. And, and I said, I'll never make this mistake again. He said, no, you won't. You'll just make other mistakes. And what he said to me, I, and I'll never forget it, it resonated very, very clearly. When he said it, he wasn't saying, you have failed. What he was saying was, you're allowed to fail. You're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to learn. You're allowed to grow. You're allowed to do these things. So he saw it as a, a learning opportunity, I suppose, for me. And I found that uh, of all the things, I, I actually, I can tell you another story. When I um, first joined him, I um, told him that I had no money. So I was a young guy. I was, I'd come back from Africa, done my MBA. I got a scholarship to do my MBA from him in Essex in Paris. And I went to work in Africa. I came back, I was working in London, wasn't happy with what I was doing. And I contacted him and said, I would really like to do something with my life. I'm just doing feasibility studies for banks. And he said, what would you like to do? So we met and we walked, we talked, we walked, we talked for about three months. And eventually he said, um, will you go back to Ireland? No, um, I left Ireland. I didn't want to go back to Ireland. I sort of hummed and hawed. But eventually I said, yeah, I'd go back to Ireland. I said, but um, I've no money. And, you know, I, I don't go back. He'd go back and set up an office. I said, I'd love to do that, but you know, I've no resources. And two or three days later, I got a, a, a letter in the post. And in the letter, it said, Dear Porrick, very, very nice talking to you the other day. Look forward to working with you. In anticipation of the valuable contribution that I am certain you will make to what we want to do in Ireland, please find and close the cheque for <laughs> and an amount of money to set me up and allow me to go back to Ireland and do what was necessary. And I, I'll never forget it because it's when I talked about authenticity earlier and empathy. He didn't just say it, he followed up. With, with practical actions. In that case, it was writing me a cheque. It was an easy thing to do. But I could give you many, many examples where it was harder things that he did, but he went and did them anyway. Um, so I always, I always sort of looked on him as a, a supporter, somebody who was behind me, who supported me, who saw the things that we were doing, not just as business things, it was opportunities for us to grow and develop. Uh, particularly for me, he saw me as a young guy and he was helping me grow and develop and creating opportunity for me. And I think his whole focus, actually, I think the way he built his whole organisation was about creating opportunity for people. He always said uh, what he looked for was a great idea and a great person. Uh, and he followed people. If he found a great person, if they didn't have a great idea, he found a great idea for them. All about supporting the people and making them feel comfortable. I, again, just another example. I can remember the first time I travelled, went around the world with him, been down in Japan, and speaking to all the staff in Japanese. 
and all the staff knew him and he'd be on the plane and he'd have his headphones in and he'd be learning the language or learning a language so when he went to a country he'd communicate in their language and everybody loved him I mean everybody loved him and everybody who worked for him um, wanted to be like him everybody talked about Mr Feeney like Mr Feeney and he always said call me Chuck call me Chuck and he made you feel comfortable I think the really key thing was there was no judgement there was no sense ever ever that you were being judged by this man there was just a sense that he was there and he was supporting you you alluded to this initially, but I'd like you to go deeper. He saw some type of potential in you in order to write the check and send it to you. Did he ever, did you ever have that conversation with him later on as what was the potential he saw that after the three months of walks and talks that he said, oh, we're going to make this, we're going to make this happen? The answer is yes and no. <laughs> so let me give you the no answer first. No, I never actually had that conversation with them. Let me give you the yes answer. Uh, I was subsequently talking to people and he said, you know that guy Porrick? He said, the secret to Porrick, he said, is simple. He said, you point him in a direction, you wind him up and you get out of the way. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, but I, I would like to talk a bit, just, just very quickly about the principle, uh, because I think it's, it's relevant to what we're talking about here, the principle of, uh, the, of empathy. And I want to quote Ron, if I may. I'm just going to read something for a moment, if I may, from Ron Price. A fundamental basic human need is to be known, noticed, recognised and understood. It's the emotional oxygen that we need to survive. Uh, in many cultures, actually, you may not be aware of this, uh, if you don't call somebody by their name, they won't engage. You have to say their name. You have to recognise that they actually exist, that they're actually there. So it's a very, very important aspect. And Ron says, one of the greatest ways that you establish strength in your relationship with other people is by this demonstration of empathy, where you make the effort to be able to feel into what their experience has been. So it's about developing a deeper awareness of what's going on with a person um, that makes you a more effective leader. And I think that when I look at Chuck and I ask myself the question, what did I learn from him? Um, I learned uh, the principle um, of um, trying to genuinely understand the other human being, to go to where they are. You don't have to suffer with them, by the way. I, I know there are people who do, but you don't have to suffer with them. You have to understand. And this is the key. Um, a fundamental base needs it's need to be known notice, recognise and understood. It's that willingness to go and understand where they are. Not where you are, where you want to be, where they are. You may not be able to do anything when you get there, by the way. And you may not need to do anything when you get there. It may be sufficient to actually understand, notice, recognise, be where they are. That may be sufficient, uh, as opposed to offering um, platitudes and sympathy. If the person knows that you are where they are, that you understand where they are, that's enough. You don't actually need to do anything. That's sufficient. In the beginning, we talked about this idea that empathy is not soft and woolly, as you, you call it, but it's one of those things that's hard. So I hear that and I'm thinking return on investment, ROI. Yeah. What, in your experience, what are some, what's the ROI that you see on this idea of empathy? Okay, well, if you, uh, if you ask yourself the question, what is a leader? Um, and of course, there are many, many answers. But one specific thing you can say about it, it's about enabling human beings, not allowing them to be a victim um, or agreeing with them. It is actually to bring them along to accomplish something together that you couldn't have accomplished separately. And empathy is actually the foundation of this. It's the building blocks for the competencies, the leadership competencies we talk about of persuasion, negotiation, team building, conflict management, and many, many others. So top performing CEOs, when I ask myself the question, when I look at Chuck, or indeed other 
high performing people that I've really come to respect and admire they all have this capacity they all have this ability to um, enable people um, and, and as a consequence to get the best out of them I mean I would I, I would I would say and anybody who that I know who worked for Chuck worked really really hard and I mean really hard every hour of every day and we're happy to do so without ever being asked. The control system of the company were very loose. It was an investment company. We were, we were buying companies, building companies, and it was very, very loose. And everybody trusted everybody. And there was no, no controls, no checking who's doing what, because everybody had their head down delivering, because we all believed in what we were trying to accomplish. So this capacity to authenticity, through understanding, this capacity to share a vision, that we could do something different in the case of Ireland that we could actually take an economy that was on its knees and by example we couldn't clearly transform the economy of a country but by example by doing projects and doing specific things by example we could show people that there is a future and they themselves then could follow our example so we built or we built companies we built buildings we did things that were a first at that time in that in that country and we worked as I say every hour every day to deliver on these on time on budget so there was a real ROI from this and why did we do it we did it because we wanted to we did it because we wanted to be part of what Chuck was trying to do in Ireland we genuinely believed in this and this came as, as I say again from this uh, authenticity that came from this understanding this willingness to go to where you are without judgement without any agenda you have now the opportunity to travel the world and to teach a lot of these lessons that you've learned. So let's dive into the application of empathy and what it looks like. We've looked at what it looks like in practice, but how do we start to really build it in us and make it work for us in our companies and the teams we lead? Okay, before I answer that, let me answer a question you didn't ask me which is why, in fact, am I talking to you today about empathy as opposed to many other things we could talk about in the leadership context? It is because I have very little. <laughs> and um, the question is always, are leaders um, born or are they um, grown and developed? And, of course, the answer is a, a bit of both. Uh, I would have been very weak on empathy. It would not have been a strength of mine. I'm a high D, high, high resourceful. I have a very specific type of profile. And um, so empathy would not, I would not have naturally gone there. I would not naturally have felt this. And as a consequence, I've had to train and develop myself. I've actually consciously worked to develop this, uh, this competency, if you wish, which is why I'm happy to talk about it, because it's a work in progress. <laughs> it's a work, for sure. So, um, the question is like the practical application of empathy, I suppose is the question you're asking me. Is. And um, I, I wrote down here, and I just want to read something out to you I wrote. Be like Chuck. Have the mindset of a, of a student, not a master. And um, one, the, one the, a great quote that Ron is always using from Wal, Ralph Waldo Emerson is, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some ways in that I learn from him. And again, just to go back to Chuck Feeney for a moment, um, when you spoke to him, he, he was never talking. He was questioning, questioning, questioning. And there was a real sense that he genuinely wanted to understand what did you have to say. It didn't matter who he met. I can still remember in the office when we were doing big deals, big investment deals. And um, we'd be in the middle of a conversation and somebody would come in and say, oh, by the way, Gavin is, is here to meet you, Mr. Feeney. And Chuck would say, oh, sorry, guys, I, I, I only be a few minutes and half an hour later he come back and say, sorry guys, I have to go out to lunch. I'll be back later on this afternoon. And he come back three or four hours later. And then you check, who was he with? And you realise, was some student, he bumped into on a plane, engaged in a conversation, and he went out and he talked to this person for four hours. 
basically listen to this person to understand you know, what did they have to contribute what was their thinking what did it like to be a student learning? he was absolutely wanted to understand all the time so I just make the point everybody's, everybody we can learn from everybody uh, everybody is a story everybody is a story and if we have the courage to park our own agenda to park our own needs to park our own stories leave the ego at the door and actually listen to them uh, there's, a, there's a great quote that, um, uh, from a book I read years ago called Do-It-Yourself Psychotherapy one of the best books self-help books I've ever read and, it, and he has these rules for mental health 20 rules for mental health and um, um, uh, one of by the way if we should make you laugh one is learn to interpret your anxiety as excitement <laughs> uh, but, but one, of the rule, one of the things he says that's really, really important is the, the need to park yourself, to lead yourself. And he says that um, the act of listening can be as intelligent an act as talking. And we all need to understand this. The act of listening can be as intelligent an act as talking. If we're willing to actually pay attention to the other human being, there is something of value to be learned. Uh, so that to me is, uh, is maybe where I'd start with this. So... What did, what, did, what did Chuck do? What can, they, what, what can we do? Ask people questions. The form um, uh, family occupation, recreation, motivation or mission is a great model to engage with people and to discover their story. I mean, poor listening is one of the top-sighted uh, top uh, leadership problems that leaders don't listen. And if leaders listened, um, they would hear what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, what they need to hear to be effective leaders. Uh, so you listen for what? Listen for experiences. Listen, listen with your eyes as well as your ears. Uh, constantly try and, and, and identify what are the emotions, what's actually going on for that person behind the words, behind the expressions. What's actually really happening? This concept of understanding. Can I actually understand what's going on for this individual? Uh, ask for feedback. I mean, listening. If you want to truly listen, you have to give the per other person permission to talk. This is re particularly if you're a leader where you have positional power and you have expertise power. Um, if you want to have the authentic power that comes from character leadership, you have to give people the permission to give you feedback so you can listen, so you can actually hear what needs to be heard. Um, so I think feedback is, is, is critical. Um, again, I suppose one thing I would say to everybody is um, in the TTI assessments, be it your behaviours, your driving forces, your EQ, makes no difference. In, in these sciences, many of the answers that you need to become an, an effective leader and to be more empathetic are there. How do you communicate? How do you interact with people? How, what are the filters in your mind through your driving forces, for example, that, that make you see everything, including the interaction with the human being in a particular way? Um, how regulated are you? How well do you, you, do you understand your relationship and how well do you manage your relationships? How well can you see behind what's happening and understand what's really happening to the human being? It's in your reports. So when you use your reports, how many people actually go back and read the reports in the light of the learning they've had in life, go back and reread them and reread them and reread them? and understand what are they saying. Leadership, real leadership, and the complete leader as a programme is about what? Real behavioural change. It's not about intellectual um, intellectualising something. It's not about reading a book. It's not about writing a book. It's about doing something different. Changing the way you behave in the real world to get a different outcome. So you uh, use a, a term that really resonates. Practice makes permanent. 
Yes, I can tell you where that came from. I used to always say, again, going back to Chuck Feeney, um, I used to always say um, practice makes perfect. And that's the, ex- the expression most people know. But that's not true. Practice makes permanent. And if you practice the wrong thing, ask any golfer who's got the wrong swing and he's got out there and he's practiced and he's whacked that swing and he's made it a permanent swing or a permanent putt. So a practice makes permanent. If you practice the wrong things, they too become hardwired and coded. And you have to learn to practice the, the, the right things. So practice makes permanent. So you have to practice doing things right. I'm a great believer in habit. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I really think that um, habit and developing habits, developing the way you respond to situations, you can train yourself. The, the old, the old um, a brain uh, works in peculiar ways. They say that 60 to 80% of everything that we do is done and controlled by the, the um, basal ganglia and it happens automatically. Uh, we have very little conscious or cognitive input into it. The brain checks to see what's happening in the beginning, checks to see if we get the result or the reward we want at the end, and the rest just have, happens habitually. So they say, uh, watch your thoughts for they become your um, words. Watch your words for they become your actions. Watch your actions for they become your habits, and your habits become your character, and your character becomes your life. So if you truly want to change, if you truly want to become an effective leader, you must practice at the things that will make you an effective leader. So, for example, um, practicing empathy. How do you practice empathy? You, as we said, you listen, you ask for feedback, you, you, you park this and you actually genuinely try to understand the situation. You practice and slowly but surely two things happen. Number one, it becomes your um, uh, default response to a situation. And number two is people notice. And when people notice, they change. You know, you want to change your world, we all know this, change yourself. They change and they change in their interaction with you. They become open, they become more confident as I did with Chuck and they start saying this as it is. And you then as a leader, can learn and develop and grow and become a more effective leader. Dennis Whaley has a quote that I remember often, spontaneity is conditioned reflex. Oh, yes. I remember, actually, it's interesting that you say that. Um, I remember um, a, a very successful uh, speaker, a motivational speaker, um, Brian Tracy of many years ago. And um, I remember Brian going away on a training program for actors for three days to learn the pause. How do I pause between words? And if you saw Brian Tracy on stage, you would say, what a polished speaker. Uh, how spontaneous, how incredible. But no, every single thing was practiced and practiced and practiced. And that was his art. And he was committed to his art. There's a great story told about um, um, a lady walks up to Sir Yehudi Menwin at the end of a conference. He wasn't Sir Yehudi in those days. He was just Yehudi Menwin. And anybody who likes the violin will know who I'm talking about. And she said, Yehudi, Yehudi, that was incredible. I give my life to be able to play the violin like that. To which apparently he responded, Madam, I did. And we know that he practiced from the age of four. He was practicing four to eight hours a day right through his life. His scales just doing the basics again and again and again. Developing these competencies in the, in, the, in the Complete Leader program, like empathy, are your scales. These are your scales. You play music by the interaction of all the various competencies, but you must practice each scale on its own, practice and become a, an expert in it. And then you combine those and you can play like Sir Yehudi. You have some specific challenges for us to grow our empathy as well. Yes, I've three challenges here that I'd like to suggest. The first one is, uh, and this is a challenge. I, I, I can, I, I can, I can vouch just this because my partner is diametrically opposed to me in behaviours, in driving forces, in every area, um, and it's a challenge. 
I challenge her, she challenges me. So I t- intentionally spend time around people who are very different to you. And I, I, I advise people um, uh, when I'm coaching them to grow empathy, to conduct interviews with people. So try and identify three different people or three different types of people uh, without casting any judgment and see uh, you know, what their experience is how do they see the world how they interact and try and understand it from their perspective find somebody uh, here, here's a very simple one um, find something uh, very topical I suppose in today in the United States uh, where, where partisanship seems to be the order of the day find somebody at the opposite end of your politi- of the political spectrum and go there and say can I actually understand I don't have to ever have to agree with anything can I understand what they're saying and why they're saying can I go to where they are and understand why they have formed this political view and why they support whomever so can I actually go to that place and that's a really that's a really challenging one for me for example um, here today will be the Democrats and it will be Trump for example for me it's in, in Northern Ireland understanding Northern Irish unionism can I actually go there and understand why they believe it take Brexit which is going to have huge impact uh, on Ireland can I understand why these people actually want to leave Europe for me it makes no sense at all but clearly they believe it does can I go there and genuinely understand that's a big big challenge Uh, I remember years ago um, and Chuck advised me to to watch um, uh, uh, Al Jazeera and I said Al Jazeera he said yeah yeah he said you need both sides of the story and I thought, you know, he's so right. You have to listen to everything. You have to hear all sides of the story. Otherwise, how can you, how can you form uh, an informed opinion? And the third, I suppose, is find somebody the opposite of the relig- religious spectrum. Like, we live in an... We live in an uh, we've, in Ireland has become a very secular country. In the last number of years, for example, we have introduced divorce, uh, um, uh, abortion, uh, gay marriage. We have an openly gay um, Taoiseach. In fact, he's a son of an immigrant. He's an Indian son of an immigrant uh, into Ireland who's gay and he's our prime minister, one generation, which is remarkable. And i show you how our society has changed over the last number of years. Uh, we have abortion and we have um, a divorce. None of these existed. Our society is quite divided on these. Don't believe that everybody uh, uh, believes that this is the way forward. There are many who don't. Is it possible to go to that end of that spectrum and see people take abortion? Such a con- uh, uh, such a difficult, difficult subject. Uh, people with extremely uh, diverse views. Can you go to that space? Can you understand how they form their opinions? Why they believe what they believe? And just understand it. So these are big challenges. They're not small little challenges. They're big challenges. Politics and um, religion. These are areas that are, that are that everybody's an opinion. Everybody's an expert on. Because of course, it's easy to do this. We don't. Just... And we've been told not to start conversations. <laughs> around those areas. For sure, yeah. Uh, when uh, I've got many friends in Northern Ireland and one of the rules we have is we don't talk about sex, politics or religion. Having said that, they are the three conversations that everybody has. <laughs> Very true. So, any final words for us? Any final thoughts as we wrap up this edition on empathy? You gave us some really good things to do to grow our empathy and you've answered the why on why it's so important for I, our business. Okay, I'll give you a simple example. One simple example. I came out of a, um, a supermarket, a food store, with my groceries, two bags, one day. And as I was walking out of the store, I took a right hand, I was walking past um, a chemist shop, a pharmacy. And I heard a voice, and the voice said, please help me. And I stopped, I looked around, and I couldn't see anybody. And I went to walk away, and I heard this voice again saying, please help me. And I stopped and I noticed between this, the food store and the pharmacy, there was a little alcove and there was a person standing in there looking out at me. Now, my normal reaction, given my profile, would be, this is, a, this is 
a bum. This is a person living off the state. This is a person who won't work. This is a post, whatever. Why in heaven's name would I help them? They're only going to go buy drugs or buy alcohol or buy whatever. I would have walked off. But there was something about this person that caught my attention. Maybe there was a light in his eye, a clarity to the way he was looking at me. So I stopped and I walked over to him and I engaged him in a conversation. And I talked to him for maybe about 15 or 20 minutes. And at the end of the conversation, I was convinced. Now, this person has completely opposite the economic spectrum to me. Um, and even the value systems I would have assigned to him and assigned to myself were completely different. At the end of the conversation with him, I, I, I said to this man, I cannot, I cannot say no to anybody who wants to get off their knees. How can I help you? And I engaged in a conversation with this person, which was absolutely uplifting. And I want to explain to you, this is the point of this little conversation, I want to explain to you why. When we give, there are two parties to giving. There's the party who's giving, for sure, and it's one we normally think about. And there's the party who's allowing us to give. There's a party who's receiving. And there's a reciprocation here. We cannot give unless there's somebody willing to receive. So in, in leadership, um, we talk about know yourself, like understand yourself, create, uh, choose yourself, create yourself and give yourself. But to give, there must be somebody there that allows you to give. There must be somebody who reciprocates. So for you as a leader to develop your empathy, you must learn to give and you must find people that you can go and you can help and develop and see yourself. Say, my role, in fact, is to build this individual, is to help this individual. And the benefit, I guarantee you this, I can absolutely guarantee you this. The benefit that you will get from this far surpasses any other benefit you will get from any other activity that you can engage in on the planet. You have given us a lot to think of, Porg Barry uh, from Ireland from and Ireland. part of the Complete Leader uh, group. And uh, you're leading Complete Leader cohorts as well. That's correct, yes, in Ireland. Fantastic. So all of uh, the contact information for Porig is in the show notes for this episode of the Complete Leader Podcast. If you haven't done so already, we recommend that you go in and subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast listening app so that each and every week as a new edition, new episode is released, you are the first to know about that episode. So go ahead and subscribe while you're there. If you would rate and review the podcast, we would be most grateful. Absolutely. Check out thecompleteleader.org for a number of resources from Ron Price and his team at Price Associates. Once again, thecompleteleader.org is the place to go. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to be a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.